All right, guys, uh, it is 2020. It is a brand new year. It's a brand new decade is upon us. We are stepping into a new decade, which is kind of cool. But as a church, I don't want us to focus on the decade. I want us just to focus on this year. We're stepping into a new year, and we got a lot ahead of us, and uh, um, trust me on that. But uh, as a church, we're going to be facing a lot this year, and we need to face it together. Um, my, you know, my title here at Whitestone is Pastor Luke, and uh, while Sometimes I feel like very unworthy of that title because I feel so unqualified at times. The reality is that that is what God has called me to do. He's asking me to do that, and I need to take it seriously. Now, that word pastor, I'm not sure if you knew this or not, but it can also mean shepherd, which is kind of cool, which, which, by the way, let's just do this right now. How many of you guys know Spanish? Wow, we've got a Spanish-speaking audience here. If you know Spanish, don't answer this, um, but the rest of you guys, you know how to say pastor? In Spanish, you know what the word for pastor in Spanish is? El pastoro. Uh, actually, here's the word for pastor. It is. Now it's pronounced pastor, but that is, that's the word for pastor. Now tell me this. What do you think the Spanish word for shepherd is? Pastor. Exactly. It's the exact same word. You just learned a Spanish word this morning. See? Now you can say, ¿Dónde está el pastor? Instead of, ¿Dónde está el baño? Where's the bathroom? You can say, where's the pastor? You can say that in Spanish. But <laughs> in the baño. <laughs> hey, live streamers. Good to see you. But I think that's kind of cool because uh, pastor and shepherd in Spanish is the exact same word. And when you think about it, that's kind of cool because a shepherd's role is to care for and protect the flock. And a, a pastor's role is to care for and protect the flock. The family of Whitestone is the flock. And my job as a pastor is to care for and protect the flock. Now, thankfully, God has a number of pastors here on staff uh, to help do that. And it's my honor to work alongside of these men. They're, they're great guys. But as a shepherd, it's, it's my job to look around and to try to pay attention to where the enemy might be trying to break the ranks. Uh, I need to spot danger from a long way off so that the enemy doesn't sneak in and take people down. That's a huge part of my job. Now, in saying that, as I've been thinking about and praying about what we're going to be discussing and talking about as a church family this year, this one word just keeps coming to mind over and over again, and that one word is unity. Now, I'm going to say this not as a pat on our back as a church family, but a huge offering of thanks thankfulness to God because ultimately it all comes from him. But here at Whitestone, we've been experiencing and enjoying a long period of, of unity. I mean, we, we might have a little scuffle here and there, but for the most part, unity has permeated the culture of this church family in a huge way. And I think that while I often thank God for it, um, I also often take it for granted. But the truth is, it has been a tremendous gift. But in saying this, I I feel like this year we had better revisit the topic of unity. We, we need to really address it. Um, we, we really need to focus on it. And here's why. Because right now in America, we are probably the most divided we have ever been. It has been downright, it is downright ugly. People stand against each other. They stand opposed to each other. And it just keeps intensifying. And this division has struck families, it has struck marriages, it has struck workplaces, it has struck lifelong friendships, I mean, you name it. 
People are standing on opposite sides of the line and often not just standing there, they're throwing rocks at each other. They're, they're calling each other names and tearing each other down and it's ugly and I believe it's just gonna get uglier. And this year is an election year. And election years, for lack of a better way to put it, they're just vicious. And this is a time where normal people suddenly get out in the street and start fighting. And as I said, it gets so ugly. And guys, I would be a fool to think that somehow this would not affect our Whitestone family. Of course the enemy is going to try to infiltrate the Whitestone family and to create disunity in our midst and to destroy what we have been enjoying for so long. And so that's why I believe God wants me to focus on unity this year. We, we have to focus on unity because unity is precious and it's a gift. But in order to have it, there are things that we must do. There are things that we must engage in. There are things that we need to be diligent in doing. And another way of putting it, if we want to experience unity, we need to be willing to fight for it. We, we need to fight for unity, and, and there are things that we need to do on an individual basis to see unity in our midst. Yes, I know you can't have unity without God doing his thing. You can't have unity without his grace at work in our midst, but you guys, trust me, you don't need to worry about God doing his thing. He'll do his thing. Where we need to focus on is what he wants us to do, and that's the true fight. And let me tell you, it's worth it. Unity is worth fighting for. So that's what we're going to focus on this entire semester up into the Resurrection Sunday, maybe even beyond, but for right now, we're going to focus on that. And today is simply an introduction to this series. I typically like to start each series with an introduction, kind of set the topic, and then the subsequent weeks just kind of begin to dig into it. And so to introduce the idea of unity, I want to simply state a few things this morning, uh, things that we need to carry through the entire series, Okay. Um, and these are truths. These are truths we need to dwell on. We need to focus on. We need to marinate ourselves in these truths. And I'm going to ask us in the course of this series to do some things that might be very uncomfortable, uncomfortable for us. Things that might even tick us off. And we're going to start today. Okay? I'm going to save that for the end. I'm going to tick you off at the end of the sermon. No sense doing it right now. Let's keep you happy as long as we can. But uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the first thing I want us to wrap our heads around in the area of unity is, I want, to, I want us to apprehend this, is that unity is precious. And I know you're probably like, ooh, Luke, that's real deep. I'm so glad I come to Whitestone to get these deep things. But, uh, and, I, and I get it, I, I understand it probably doesn't sound that deep. But I'm serious, unity is very, very precious. And the reason I mention that is because I think for a lot of us, we may not even know this, but for a lot of us, we don't even have a clue what unity looks like. Our life in the very beginning has been a life of strife, a life of division, a life of always having to have your defenses up, ready to strike back should anyone come at you. Because your whole life, that's what's happened. People have come at you. They've tried to step over you. They've tried to step on you. They've tried to put you down, tried to discount you or humiliate you or discard you, and on and on it goes. And so you've learned to live your life always with your guard up, always ready to defend yourself and fight back. And so the idea of unity isn't even something you, you understand or grasp, and you might not even know that. The idea of a group of people living together in unity seems almost impossible because you've never witnessed it before. Your family is a dysfunctional mess. Your marriage is a constant battleground. Your workplace is toxic, and you can't wait to leave there every day. 
there just isn't a safe place in your life. And, and maybe even in your life, church hasn't been a safe place. Church has been toxic. Even the churches you've grown up, if you've just never seen unity lived out before, they, it's just all been a bunch of fighting. They've argued and fought and debated and split. And so even church has not been a great place for you to see unity exemplified. And I get it. I really do. I've experienced that in my own life. I remember there was a church in Arizona that I attended that, that um, you know, they always uh, sung out of hymnals. Anybody grow up singing out of hymnals? Yeah, you remember? I was like, number 423, Rock of Ages. And we'd all stand and sing it, and that's how, how we did it. Well, we got a young pastor who came into the church, and we would sing a few hymns, and then he started to bring in chorus songs, like worship songs. And the way he would do it is he'd use an overhead projector. Anybody remember that? Kids probably have no clue what I'm talking about. But have an overhead projector, and somebody would sit up front and change the sheets for the worship songs. Well, some of the older people in the church were like, this is ridiculous. We're not using hymnals anymore. This is, you know, we only sing two hymns and the rest of course on this is unbelievable. I'm like, did Jesus use an overhead projector? You know, they were, they were freaking out. Then if that, if that wasn't bad enough, they were gonna, the, the new pastor wanted to change the carpet and he wanted to do green carpet for some reason and we've always had blue carpet for us. So why would we want green? And they were fighting about that. Well, a group of families got so mad and so angry, they picked up, left the church, and went and built their own little church building and had church there. Disunity amongst the family of God. Uh, there's a young guy that will call me periodically, and, and I'm just, I've been trying to mentor him, which is kind of a scary thought now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> but he's been sharing some of the things that he's going through, and guys, it is mind-boggling what he goes through. The amount of disunity in his church, it's just every time I talk to him, I'm like, what's, what's, what else is on your plate, Mark, you know? Well, the latest, you just got to laugh at this, the latest was he had a Sunday school room where there was a mural on the wall. And this mural was painted by a woman 40 years ago. This woman is still attending the church. And her dad happens to be one of the elders, okay? And the, the younger Sunday school teachers, they've seen this mural for 40 years. They, they wanted to repaint the wall and kind of freshen things up because it's old and smudged and dirty. And so they, they wanted to repaint the wall and start, you know, kind of with a fresh room. And this woman goes, oh, no, you don't. You're not going to paint over my mural. I did all that work on there's no way you're going to touch that wall. You are not allowed to touch the wall. And so her dad, who was one of the elders, said, yeah, you don't touch that wall. So guess what the Sunday school teachers did? They built a new wall four inches away from that wall and covered it up, <laughs> hung drywall, painted it, and it's a brand new wall. Well, when she came in the classroom and was like, she got so mad, she ran into the sanctuary, started screaming obscenities, calling these guys' names and everything, and it's just all this disunity. Just a mess. In church. Guys, let me tell you something. If there's ever a place where unity should be lived out and demonstrated, it should be in a church family. And let me tell you, when it is, when it does, when we experience it, when a group of people can live together in unity, it's a precious thing. It's such a precious, beautiful thing to behold. Look at what the psalmist says here. It says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's, it's like precious oil poured out on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were following on Mount Zion, 
For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. I love that passage, and I love how it ends. It is in unity, unity amongst God's people, where God bestows his blessing. And what is that blessing? Life forevermore. Life to the fullest. What it's telling us is that unity in our midst will allow us to experience experience the blessing of God upon us, which is life to the fullest, which is abundant life. And I don't know about you, but I want that for Whitestone. Amen? I want to see that lived out. So guys, we need to fight for it. Second thing I want you to know about unity is that unity is not uniformity. Unity is not all of us trying to become the same thing or to agree on the same thing or to dress the same way or act the same way. This isn't what unity is. That's uniformity. And uniformity is not what we're after. And I know some groups in the past and still even today they think that, and so that's what they do. They wear the same clothes, the same hats, the same facial hair, all that sort of stuff. But then they think that's going to produce unity. It will not. And the reason I will say that won't work is because the truth is, is that we're all so very different. And the truth is we were born different. Parents, have you ever noticed how your kids are so stinking different from each other? And they have the same parents. They live in the same household. They have the same house culture, and yet they're different. My firstborn daughter, she did not like to be hugged or cuddled with. I mean, she wanted her space. Even in the womb, when Shauna would lay on her side, she'd go. (laughs) And so Shauna would turn. She'd be like, okay. When she was born, you had to hold her facing outward. She didn't want to be tucked in close with. She wanted to face out. My second born, my son, snuggliest dude you ever met. To this day, you can put your arms around him, kiss him on the forehead. He, he doesn't mind it at all. He loves that. Same parents, just completely different. And when I look at you guys, it's the same thing. You guys are different. Very different people. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I love you. But what I mean is there's not a single one of you that is identical to someone else. You're different. Let me, let me ex- demonstrate what I mean by that. I'm going to need some volunteers, and I'm going to choose you. <laughs> Cassandra, why don't you get up there? Jill, why don't you head up there? Echo, why don't you head up there? Tom, why don't you get up there? Jerry, you get up there? What's your name, bud? John, get up there. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, just stand in the center for right now. Now, here's the rules of the game. We're going to play the difference game. And I'm going to point to a side of the stage. I want you to walk all the way to that side of the stage. If that's the side that you really like, if I point that side and you really like that side, you go to that side. Okay? Does that make sense? Pretty simple. Jerry, even you can get this, I think. All right? All right, guys. Here we are. If you like summer, go to that side. But if you like winter, I want you to go to that side. Now, there's some different women over there. Okay? All right, if you would rather go on a cruise all-inclusive or go somewhere where you're on land all-inclusive, where would you be? Cruise, floating on the water all-inclusive? There's no, no ocean people? Okay. All right, if you would rather be watching a musical where they sing all the time or a shoot 'em up movie? Thank you, men. Thank you. I didn't want to rip on you. How many of you guys like musicals? You guys, 
I can't stand musicals. When I'm watching them, I'm all, I get anxiety because I'm like, oh, they're going to start to sing again. They're going to start to sing again. Oh, here they go. And then they start doing their little thing. It drives me nuts. Okay. If you like the Packers, over there. If you like the Bears, go over there. That's the godly side, just so you know, guys. All right, if you are a morning person over here, if you're a night person over there, you got to pick one. So you're a night person? You guys are all morning persons? Okay, all right, John, all right. Okay, if you're scared of bugs over here, not scared of bugs at all over there. Right, Jerry, you're scared of bugs, don't you? Okay. All right, if you keep your car really clean and tidy or your car looks like a high school boy's bedroom over there. <laughs> tidy and clean, bedroom. Echo, you have a dirty car, huh? <laughs> okay, if you like dressing up and looking really snazzy or you prefer sweats and a sweatshirt. Jerry... Oh, my land. Little, little pretty boy over here. All right. As he's sitting there like... All right. If you take showers in the morning or take showers at night. If you don't take showers in the sun. So morning showers. Oh, well, hey. It's a clean man. She shakes his head. Okay, and then the last one, if you love going to church or you'd rather stay home and sleep all morning. All right, give it up for our people. Good job. Disappointed in the Packer Bear turnout, but somebody this morning said, hey, Luke, uh, why doesn't Iowa have a pro football team? I'm like, I don't know. He says, because then Chicago would want one. <laughs> and that's why we're talking about unity. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but do you see what I mean? There, people are so different. And these were just 10 things and six people, and they just kept swapping back and forth. Guys, uniformity would be impossible, and all it would produce is a bunch of robots all pretending to do the same thing. Well, God created us with such uniqueness and such differences that it'd be wrong for us to just shut down, you know, our uniqueness for the sake of uniformity. We want unity. Even in how God bestows his gifts upon each one of us, we see differences. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 12. You don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read it to you. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one in the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, do you see that? One Spirit is giving out very different gifts to different people. You certainly would not call that uniformity. 
God works through our differences. He delights in our differences. He created us differently. But in unity, we're able to bring all those differences to the table and in love, live together and serve together and extend the kingdom of God together. Amen? And it's a a precious thing to behold when it happens. Last thing I I want us to understand as we move into this series is that unity begins with you. Unity always starts with yourself. It starts with looking in the mirror and seeing where you need to change, where God needs to do surgery on your life. Now, I know that seems simple. I know it seems maybe even obvious. I get it, but something can be so obvious and we can still miss it or even ignore it in living it out. And we might you know, even be all sitting here today thinking to ourselves, yes, of course unity starts with me, but when it comes to living out our life and the way we truly act, we think unity starts with everyone else. For instance, in marriage, we're always wanting our spouse to change to meet our needs. We're always wishing that they would change. They're the ones who need to do the changing. And when you first get married, you will encounter that a lot because you see all these differences living under the same household and you, 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 you got to work through that. And so often in marriages, you're just like, well, you need to change. I remember when Sean and I first got married, you know, my whole life, I just wore clothes. I didn't care if they matched or not. That wasn't a big thing of my priorities. Well, for Shauna, that's a huge priority. You need to match because her grandma always told her that it was a reflection on the wife if the husband dressed poorly. So she needs to make sure. So she would lay out outfits for me. <laughs> Women, can I just for the record say men don't wear outfits? Okay? We just wear clothing. It's just meant to be practical. And so I'm like, honey, I'm not going to wear that outfit. I, I mean, I don't wear outfits. And she goes, well, and she'd lay it out on the bed, a little sweater and a little clothes and the socks and shoes. And I'm like, honey, I'm, I'm already dressed. I don't need to wear that. Well, it kind of came to a head one Sunday morning. I was going to go to church, and she was not feeling good, so she wasn't going to go. Um, and so I came into, uh, I don't know, we were in the kitchen for some reason. And uh, she said, you're not going to wear that to church. I'm like, oh, yes, I am. And she's like, uh, no, you're not. I'm like, honey, just because you're not going to church today and you're feeling guilty does not mean that you need to impose what I'm wearing. I said it in love. It was, uh... So I'm eating a bowl of cereal, and she goes, Luke, you're not wearing that. And I'm like, Shauna, yes, I am. She goes, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> Dumped it all over my shoulder. She goes, like I said, you're not wearing that to church. And there was a glass of water here, so I went whoosh, and, I, and her hair like stuck up. And we laugh about it today because it was just this big thing. We ended up laughing. But the point is, is I was wanting her to change, and she was wanting me to change. And eventually we had to realize, okay, change starts with me. Always starts with me. But for some reason, we always want to change that. You know, it's funny when I preach a sermon on marriages, I, I will invariably have wives come up to me. One time I had like three wives in one sermon come up to me and say, man, I wish my husband was at this sermon because you were preaching to him. I'm like, okay. I, I had a husband come up to me one time, and this is, I'm not exaggerating. He came to me and says, dude, the whole sermon, I was like, Lord, please let her hear this. Please let her hear this. Please, Lord, let it sink into what he's talking about right now. And I'm like, dude, did you hear anything that was said? Because you're just focused on her. But that's how we are. 
You need to agree with me. You need to do it my way. You need to think and act like me for us to live in unity. We always place the change on someone else. But guys, if we intend on living a life of unity here at Whitestone, we gotta look at ourselves. When I say unity is worth fighting for, the fight starts in our own lives. And so we're gonna be looking at many different things, different topics regarding unity, and it's gonna start on us, our individual lives. And unfortunately, we just don't, we don't like that so often. We just want everything to be about us. Now here's, I did this analogy, the two other sermons. I don't know if everybody can see this. But um, if you've taken my discipleship class, you've seen this before. But if we have like our circles of our kingdom, the circles of influence in our life, we could break it down like this. At the very center of our kingdom, the center of our, our lives, it's me, okay? It's my body. It's, it's just, it's me. I'm the center of it. Then the second circle would be our family, and that includes our marriage and our kids. And then the third one would be our money and possessions. And then the fourth one would be our work. And then the last one is basically the community that we live in. And that's just, you know, friends, people we work with, whatever. It's, it's all in that. Okay, so that, that's our, our circles of circles of our kingdom. And what we so often want in the circles of our kingdom, we want all these circles to change to meet my need. I want my marriage, I want my spouse to do things the way I want it to be done. I want my kids to do, you know, to make me happy. I want money and possessions to be about me and workplace to be about me and community. Everything is focused this direction. And unfortunately, we want it all to be about us. And if we do that, we don't have to change. Everybody else has to change for us. And, and, in, and what we, we want is everybody else in the world to change except for me. And that's going to make my life easier. Serve me. Take care of me. It's all about me. And guys, I'm just going to say this flat out. An attitude like that will never, ever, ever lead to unity. The change has to start in the inner circle, and it starts with you. And then it moves outward to impact the circles around you, okay? So let's recap what we've talked about so far. Unity is precious. It's a very, very precious thing. So precious, guys, that it's worth fighting for. And I realize that many of us don't even fully understand unity because we've never experienced it in our life. Our lives have been nothing but constant strife. And we don't know anything different because that's all we've known. And my prayer is that you're going to start to see it lived out in our midst here in our church family. And, and hopefully you'll just be amazed by the beauty of it. And remember, living out in unity here at Whitestone, we're not asking you to fit a little cookie-cutter mold where everybody is the same sort of uniformity. No, we're asking you to bring your unique self into a body of believers who are uniquely different themselves and to live in peace and unity, extending the kingdom of God together with them. And for that to happen, it requires change. And that change has to begin with yourself, with you, not your wife, not your husband, not your kids, not your friends, not even your enemies. It starts with you. In this whole series, we're going to be looking at things that we individually need to change in our own lives. And in doing so, we're going to start to see unity begin to emerge in every circle of our kingdom. And it's going to be beautiful. Amen? 
I'm going to close with this. And here's where I may begin to tick you off. I don't mean to. I don't want to. And I'm going to say this as gently as I can. But we live in a very unique time. A time where the ability to communicate and let everyone know what you think is at an all-time high. I mean, it, it, it is a crazy time in this world to live in. I remember when it was just, if you wanted somebody to know what you thought, you had to write a letter. Remember that? You had, how many had pen pals growing up? Young kids don't even know what that is. We, we have rights, you had to write someone. If you wanted somebody to know what you thought, you had to call them on, on a telephone. But it's very limited. Now, I can post something and hundreds, maybe even thousands can see it. And while that may be a good thing, trust me, the enemy is going to want to use it for evil. There's a lot of good things in this world, but if you notice, the enemy will always try to use those good things for evil. And when I get on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, even amongst Christians, what I see makes me sad. Because I see people wanting to flaunt their opinions, their stances, their beliefs on certain issues, which in turn incites other people who disagree with them to fight back with their comments. And then it begins, the back and the forth and the attacks and the cutdowns and the defriending each other, and it's brutal. And I don't know why, but it seems that with social media, I don't know if you've noticed this, but with social media, we feel a freedom to spout whatever we want to with no regard to the other person or people that we'd never do face-to-face, -face, but we'll do it in social media. And in doing so, we cause a lot of destruction. And I just want to say, as gently as I can, but as truthfully as I can, it's wrong. And I don't care what your opinion is or whatever issue you have, trust me on this. Here's a little tip. Whatever article or little funny meme or whatever thing you want to post, it's not going to change anyone's opinion. It's just not. All it's going to do is stir up anger and dissension, and the enemy just sits back and laughs while you guys destroy each other. And so I'm asking you, and I'm, I'm pleading with you as your pastor, as your shepherd, for the sake of the flock, just stop. Stop posting your opinions on social media for the sake of unity in our, our midst. Just stop. Now, I know. I know that it is your right to post whatever it is you want in the world. I get it. It's your right. But as followers of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to be willing to give up your right for the sake of unity. Because I promise you, it's worth it. It's so worth it. Stop letting the enemy use you to stir up dissension. Because all it does is wreak destruction. Guys, we all know that the enemy came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But guys, please don't let him use you to do that. You don't have to be a vessel to, be, to accomplish that. Now I'm going to also say this. Please don't think that I'm judging you right now for having done this. Some of you right now are like, oh my word, what did I post on Facebook yesterday? Oh my word, am I even his friend? Did he see that? I don't know. No. I'm not singling anyone out and I'm not judging you at all. I get it. It's what our culture is right now. That is the norm. It's what everybody does. But guys, we're not everyone. We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. 
We don't follow the culture of the world. We follow the culture of the kingdom of God. We are different from the world. We are as different as light is from darkness. So let's be light, amen? And let's fight for unity. Now here's our homework. Every week I'm gonna give us homework to do. What I wanna encourage you to do is I want you to choose to initiate change in yourself by not posting any political or controversial material on your social media this entire year. I always get gasped at that point. (sighs) And don't, stop ripping on the bears. You don't need to do that. It's mean. No, just don't, don't use social media to just put up controversial stuff. Choose instead to use your social media to bless and to encourage one another and to build one another up in the Lord. Use it as a tool to extend God's kingdom, not the enemy's, okay? And listen, I'm gonna say this too. I'm not gonna be the Facebook or Twitter police, okay? I'm not gonna make a comment on something you post like, oh, I see you didn't listen to the sermon. No. I'm just not gonna do that, okay? I can't wait to see all the comments. I'm going to be defriended by half the church today. I'm just trying to control my Facebook. No, I'm not going to do that. I just, I want us to get into a habit to use these good things to extend the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of the enemy, okay? So let's fight for unity and it's going to require change. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your love to us. God, you are a God of unity. It is your desire to see unity in our midst. And God, the enemy is trying to destroy it. So I pray that you would give us the courage and the ability to make changes in our life that is gonna have ripple effects, not only in our our marriages, our family, or in this church family, but the world beyond. I pray that the world might be able to stand back and look at what you're doing here in our midst and say, I want that. And you're the catalyst for that to happen. So I pray that you would do that in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, love you so much, and we'll see you on Facebook.